airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we've got a packed program for you, which includes an interview with uh, the author of the book, Protecting Your Child from Predators. So we'll get into that in the second segment. Uh, but first, in this segment, we'll introduce ourselves. I think that's generally how it works. I'm Miki. <laughs> And I'm Will. Hey, Will, how you feeling? I'm all right. Yeah, you had a surgery today? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Nothing like a good old surgery to kind of well, anchor just your sore, week. sore, that's all. Okay, I just want to let people know you're not going to be talking as much. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't. I'm sorry. That's funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're going to be like, wow. So he must not <laughs> he gonna say nothing. They're like, whoa, how can you talk less? Than <laughs> Look, let me just say, well, anyway, we don't have time for all that. We got a packed show, so I'm not about to yeah, go into these long, drawn out right. stories, which introduce you to ourselves. I mean, you know us at this point, right? <laughs> uh, Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and boy, do we appreciate her. Um, our guest will join us in the second segment. But let me just start off, uh, say something about yesterday's show. Mm. Uh, what we try to do is because we know we have one hour. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to retrain ourselves to get all of our thoughts. And by <laughs> our, we, let's be honest, we mean me, right? Get all your thoughts <laughs> in one hour, Meek, just one hour. And uh, so sometimes I'm going through the information because I want you to get it. I want you to get it all. But I understand that for some people that maybe is too quick and Mm. the information comes out too fast. And uh, so you miss things. So what we have tried to do uh, is make sure that in our shows, when we cover stories or we talk about a video or you hear a clip, we try to post a link to that story or to that video in the archives of the show. That's right. Uh, and you can go to AFR.net to get that. So you go to AFR.net. If we talk about a story, um, I want to say you can take it to the bank, um, but I do want to <laughs> also allow for us to have a day where it's like, I we didn't put that <laughs> link in there. So so maybe take it to the local corner store and see what they'll give you for it. Yeah. Uh, maybe don't take it to the <laughs> bank. Um, but we try to put those links in the story because we want you to read this information for yourself. We want you to hear and to see it with your own eyes and then pray about it and ask the Lord to help you make the connections to what is happening in the culture and um, and and how this portends the last days, the the return of the Lord. So anyways, I will say for yesterday's show, um, both the article that we discussed um, with uh, with uh, Greta Thunberg and the YouTube clip. You heard us play a YouTube clip with. Yeah. Uh, drag syndrome. Drag syndrome. That's right. Yeah. Using kids with Down syndrome That's to so dress up and parade out in drag. Something that um, the originators of this want to take around the world. Mm-hmm. Almost like a drag queen story hour, if you will. And the reason I tied that video in is to say my, my basic premise here um, for the show <laughs> was that um, cultural Marxists are very good and um, very trained at parading out spokespeople mm-hmm. that cannot be attacked. Mm-hmm. they You cannot counter their position because they exist 
in a position of safety. Yeah, they so win in intersectionality. That's exactly right. They have so the most points. Yeah. And uh, cultural Marxists are very good at this, guys. Our, our, our liberal elites are very good at this. Our liberal politicians are very, very good at this. Mm -hmm. So what I was trying to suggest strongly and emphatically yesterday was that the people of God have got to be discerning. And I'm not saying that we need to be ugly. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. Mm -hmm. Not at all what I'm suggesting. But what I'm saying is we cannot further e victimize ourselves by choosing to be quiet because cultural Marxists are successful. Mm -hmm. And their mm -hmm. success mm -hmm. is determined by parading someone out having them mutter off their talking points, and then you can't say anything about them. Mm -hmm. That's success for them, guys. You got to recognize that. You got to recognize that that's a win. And so what we're trying to do is say, hold on, we are going to use care. We're going to look at Ephesians 4.29. We're going to say, okay, hold on a second. You know, we're going to be careful about how we talk. We're going to look at Colossians 3. We're going to walk in newness of life, but we are not going to be duped. Yeah. We are not going to allow Satan to cripple us with the fear of being called a bigot. That's mm. why we got to take the sting out of that word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ask me how I'm raising little bigots. And that's a sound bite. <laughs> Grab that somebody. <laughs> you know, once you, once you have been on right wing watch, you get over it. The first time you're shocked. <laughs> the first time you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then after that, you're kind of like, okay, well, I mean, that's gone. So let's take the shock out of and take the sting out of the use of the word bigot. And even begin to train your children that they're growing up in a time where they're going to be attacked and they're going to hear words like that about themselves. And they need to not care so much about that. Mm. Whose approval are we seeking? It's the Lord's approval. So that's in a nutshell what I was trying to suggest yesterday. No, I was going to say that it's amazing how that word bigot, it, it, it's crazy how us, like we and our kids, if we hold to a biblical standard about sexuality yep. about all these different topics we're going to be seen you know as the the biggest That's the right. ones who who wouldn't let black kids get into the come on into the schools that's exactly right you know, that's right you know that's what you be the christian you and i will as brown as we are <laughs> right are bull connor <laughs> oh man you that's... and i got in front of ruby bridges Right. You and I didn't let we you and you and I. That's how we through we'll milkshakes be, that's how we're at people. Seen. Okay? Because we were holding to a biblical standard. So, once you get <laughs> past that, right? Once you deal with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, everybody's got to have that first time, including you and me, Will, <laughs> where you learn you're a racist. <laughs> I never will forget where I was when I learned I was racist. It's about 11 years ago when I started working here at AFA. <laughs> I never will forget it's a bright sunny day and I'm sorry. No <laughs> trips down memory lane. Mm. It's, it, you know, it's always shocking the first time you learn you're a racist. Yeah. And then you just get over it. <laughs> you let these people use these words long enough and it takes the sting out of it. It's crazy. It, it's, you know, anyway, they've Twilight reached, zone. they've reached saturation. Let me get into what I want to, what I want to get into in this segment here. Um, Mattel. Yeah. Mattel. Oh boy. Um, Mattel has rolled out its new uh, gender-neutral doll line. Not Mattel. A line of gender-neutral dolls. Wow. And, um, and this is a problem. This is a problem in many, many ways, uh, not only because I'm a bigot is that this is, this is a problem, but this is a problem because the doll maker is telling you where it intends to take children. Mm. The doll maker, understand this, the doll maker is not reflecting the culture. They want you to believe that they are. Mattel is not reflecting the culture. Mattel is telling you 
this is where we want to take your children. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference. I want to get into that. It's indoctrination. It is indoctrination 101. Mm -hmm. I want to get into that. But first, I want you to listen to this. This is Mattel. Listen. Kids right now, especially Gen Alpha kids, which are kids under the age of 10, they see gender very differently. They experience gender very differently. It's a perfect time to introduce this new doll line that is truly gender neutral. Introducing Creatable World, a doll line designed to keep labels out and invite everyone in. The whole objective of this doll is eliminating all the adult labels that we put on it. From the kids, they did not want their toys to be labeled. They don't want rules set around their play. And what we heard from parents was an increasing concern about genderizing toys. This will be really challenging for a population of people. We will challenge people's points of view about how they think boys and girls should play. You know, it's so funny, parents often tell me that they want to raise their boys to be really wonderful fathers. How do we expect to raise wonderful, nurturing fathers if we don't encourage nurturing play when they're boys? And the design of the dolls, we went on this big exploration throughout the United States. So we went to 250 families. A lot of parents knew that this is the wave of the future. This is where society is heading and they want to be on board on it. They just don't have the tools or the knowledge to kind of guide their child. Um, what we found is that most of the kids are guiding the conversation anyway. We know what happens when kids feel limitations or we place limitations on a child's identity. I imagine that a lot of people are going to be so delighted and relieved to have dolls that they could present to their kids that look like them or could look like their friends or could open up more possibilities for their play. And I imagine that this will be really challenging for a population of people. This conversation around gender and doll play, I don't expect it to be easy, but I know it's important. And I believe that a company like Mattel taking the risk to have this conversation is important. <laughs> well, thank you, Mattel. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for um, valuing our kids so much that you uh, would strive to take our kids to a place where parents are not ready to take them you can't trust or do nobody. not desire at all to take them. So they say they surveyed, like they went to 250 families. 250 now, families. I mm -hmm. wonder, and they, didn't say it, they didn't say it in here, how many of those families were actually um, uh, favorable to this. And 250 families, that's not... <laughs> to me, in my mind, it's not a huge amount. Yeah, no. If, if and some Mattel, of them might have not wanted this stuff. No, and they didn't. And they didn't, actually. <laughs> you know? Actually, they did some test groups, and they had parents who said, man, this is a political move. Why are you guys doing <laughs> this? And they responded um, with, no, this is not political. This is what is happening in the culture. We're just keeping up. Mm. There's a woman named Monica Dreger. I guess that's how you would say her name. Monica Dreger, and, uh, or Dredger. Anyways, uh, she's the head of Consumer Insights at Mattel the head of Consumer Insights at Mattel. I want you to listen to what she said. I'm going to read it to you here. And by the way, uh, this information is from a long-form article uh, on Time Magazine's website, time.com. And I'm gonna, we're going to post a link to this so that you can read it for yourself. It's an investment of time. It's, it's a fairly long article here. But don't worry. I highlighted the most important parts for you. <laughs> so here is what Monica Dreger said. She said, quote, If all parents who saw the dolls said, this is what we've been waiting for, we wouldn't be doing our jobs. 
that would mean this should have already been in the market. So we're maybe a little behind where the kids are, but ahead of where the parents are. Mm. And that's exactly where we need to be. So my question is, because I believe that that's true. Yes. I believe that the kids are driving the conversation. Yes. Where are they getting the information from? They have been trained. They have where? Been, they have been indoctrinated in all forms of media. They mm-hmm. have been indoctrinated in schools. Mm-hmm. They have been indoctrinated socially and, mm-hmm. and, and in some cases, culturally speaking. Yep. So what we are looking at right here, this is what we talk about all the time. They are after our kids Mm -hmm. because these people recognize better than anyone that that's the future they want to create. That's right. That is the future they want Mm -hmm. to create. So here this woman says out of her own mouth, this woman says, so maybe we're a little behind where the kids are, but ahead of where the parents Mm -hmm. are. Man, that's that should uh, send chills down your spine. That angers me. If you're listening as a parent, you should be like, what? So let me, I don't know. I know we're going to go to the break here. I tell you what, though, we're going to pick this up in the third segment. We're going to talk about protecting our children from predators, which actually is in line with the conversation right right now. Right. All right. Because that's what we're looking at. We're looking at, we're looking at. We need to view these type of things and these things that's going on, uh, grabs for our kids as predatory uh, behavior. uh, behavior. I agree. We shouldn't just see a person like this mindset is predatory. That's exactly right. Man, that's excellent. We need to see this stuff as, you know. And so then the question then becomes, how do you stand guard? What are the things that you're doing? So I, I hate this sense of a loss of control as a parent. We just say, oh, well, you know, here comes the tide. Mm. And we just we just stand at the shoreline and we're like, oh, well. Well, let's drown. You know, everybody's going to get hit by I it. I mean, let's stand. You, I mean, you got to you know, do something, though. Because my thing is this. <laughs> my thing is this, humanly speaking, right? If I'm standing at the shoreline and I see a big wave about to crash upon me and my kids where you're I'm standing, protect your I kids. am going to move them away from yeah. that impending danger. Yeah, you're going to try your hardest to get them out of and guess way. what? And guess what? I'm not going to turn to the kids, Will, and ask where they think we should go. Right. My maternal instincts will kick in and I will move them to the best place of safety. What Mattel is saying is the same thing the culture is saying. Your kids will lead you. Mm. Your kids will tell you where the culture is going. And you as the parent who is compliant and obedient and have subjected your kids to Disney's version of family wow. where the kids rule. You will follow suit, mm-hmm. not on my watch. And I hope no. every Christian parent says not yeah, on my watch. This should, this, this should be shocking to us. Guys, let's all get registered. Welcome to Bigotville. <laughs> Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Um, shout out to Ruby in our online chat forum. Ruby said, that's y'all's new shirt. I'm a bigot. I don't know, Ruby. <laughs> you know, some shirts require more explanation than others. We did have a shirt. We do have a shirt, uh, you know, Christ privilege to yeah. combat what's happening in the culture today. But I think people can really get that. I think it's self-explanatory. 
They understand that, man, it the, was ultimate, a conversation. the ultimate <laughs> privilege that we have is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no That's higher right. privilege than Christ's privilege. And so I think that that was, you know, successful because <laughs> because it was self-explanatory. I don't know about the I'm a bigot shirt. You'll have some conversation around Ruby, it. thank you. Like, um, but I'm going to just say this, Ruby. Marketing's not your thing. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Ruby. <laughs> the Lord loves you. All right. Um, thank you so much for listening to Aaron the Addisons. We appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that was even louder. Stephen Malcolm and uh, Natalie Grant. All right. Let's move. Let's turn our attention. We have been we started off talking about protecting our children in the first hour and That's looking right. at what is happening in the culture. Um, let's talk about protecting our children from sexual danger and protecting our children from predators, which the more I look into this, the more I'm understanding that what we as parents underestimate is that the predators that are out there, we think are way out there. Mm. But what I am learning is that the predators are people that we know yeah. and the Sometimes victims are members. victimized by people that they know. Right. And so this goes back to, remember we had John Euler on who yeah. was talking about how the church has really got to make sure that we are training parents to be able to protect their kids. And so right. I'm hoping that today we'll get some additional insight as we continue um, to do what it is that the Lord has installed us to do as parents. Yeah. That's protect our children unapologetically. So let me introduce our guest. Our guest is Dr. Beth Robinson. She's a licensed professional counselor and approved supervisor for licensed professional counselors. She's also a certified school counselor with a teaching certificate and uh, is a frequent expert witness in legal proceedings involving sexual abuse. Dr. Robinson and her family live in Lubbock, Texas, the great nation of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Robinson, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I feel privileged to talk about this with you today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad that you guys wrote this book, and I'm so glad that we won't let the conversation die down. I think sometimes, yeah. you know, we think we move far enough along and we get access to enough information that these things, quote, just don't happen anymore. But uh, the abuse of children is still happening, it's still prevalent, and it's happening in our churches. Kind of give us an overview. Why was it so important for, for you guys to author this book? Well, I, I have spent my professional life working with kids who have been victimized by sexual abusers, and uh, my friend Latane, who co-wrote this book with me, challenged me, and she said, you know, why, why don't you begin to talk to parents before these kids get abused? You have all of this knowledge of what would protect these children, and it's wonderful that you're doing all the therapeutic work after they've been abused, but wouldn't it be nice to stop the abuse before it happens? And mm. so that was the impetus for this book. Okay, well, then that's a great place for us to start. We talk about stopping sexual abuse before it happens, before it occurs. Um, what's the earliest age that we should begin even preparing our kids or trying to give our kids the tools to be able to defend themselves, to protect themselves, or to know um, where the potential predators are? Uh, parents will be shocked at this, but definitely before age five. Before age five, children should know uh, what body parts are covered by their swimming suits and mm. that if anyone touches them there that they need to come tell a parent immediately no matter what they're told or if they're threatened and so definitely by age five now dr robinson i know that you know when a parent hears that so i'll just give you a quick background will the great and i have five children they range in ages 12 to 3 and so when you said that just now i imagine myself trying to talk to my rambunctious three-year-old son and, I, and I'm thinking, what does that look like? And it made me just a little bit anxious. So help us with a conversation like that for a three-year-old. I mean, because I think the concern 
for a parent is that we also don't want to sexualize our children. We don't want to start to awaken this sort of like understanding that we think is robbing them of their innocence, but you say this is important. So, so how do we do that? Well, I, I think you have to think about with a three-year-old, you're actually te- teaching sexual safety before you know you're teaching sexual safety. Okay. Because as your three-year-old becomes four or five and they begin to dress themselves, you begin to teach your children that when they're naked, that they need to have a door closed to the bathroom or the bedroom. Yeah. That's the kind of sexual safety that you're teaching your child before age five. And then the bathing suit rule is huge before kids go to kindergarten or school because at that point, for parents whose kids go out into school and don't homeschool, that's where they begin to be exposed to a much broader world. Mm. And at that point, we definitely want them to know the swimming suit rule. I, I have coloring books that describe that. One of them is called God Made Me, and it's, it's actually very sweet. Um, it just talks about how God made you. He made, made your body, and you're supposed to learn how to keep yourself safe. Mm. And it's not threatening in any way. And so we're not talking to kids under five about sex abuse. We're talking about body safety. Oh, that's good. That is an important distinction. Mm-hmm. And I think that made a lot of people, and by a lot of people, I mean me, more comfortable <laughs> in being able, <laughs> being able to have this conversation because we do want our kids protected. We do want them to understand what is proper behavior. Let's move up the line here in age as our kids get older. And uh, now we've got to kind of, you know, maybe go into a little more detail, I'm assuming. I don't know. Um, How do we progress the conversation as our kids get older? Well, it's a natural progression as your kids get older because they begin between the ages of 6 and 11 to be in charge of taking care of themselves more, Mm -hmm. naturally. Mm -hmm. They're taking care of bathing themselves, brushing their teeth, all those things that are about taking care of their bodies. So this becomes a natural conversation. You know, we want to make sure that kids understand that anytime they're hurt, they need to come tell us. That even if someone tells them not to tell, they need to tell us. They need, between the ages of 6 and 11, to learn terms for correct body parts. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they begin to understand that sexuality is a natural part of um, human development at this age. As long as we're comfortable having the conversation our kids are going to be able to have the conversations with us. That's right. They want to learn who they trust and don't trust. You Mm -hmm. know, as a parent, you're doing a lot of this. You're just not realizing how much of it you're doing because you're teaching your kids who to trust and not trust. We just, I just want to make sure you have the right information about who should be trusted and not be trusted. Well, let's, let's talk about that then. What, what about parents, you know, um, themselves kind of, I, what I'm hoping to do is maybe, Uh, peak parents discernment. How do we know what kinds of people should and shouldn't be around our kids? I'm thinking, yes, when we're choosing a babysitter, but also when we're at church. Or family members. Or or family members. That's the tricky one. Oh, my goodness. It it is. And when you realize that 90% of sexual abuse is perpetrated by a family member or a family friend, it makes you look at everybody a little differently. (laughs) But the, the thing that I always tell parents should be the red flag is, Remember, this adult has to get one-on-one time with your child where they're alone with your child. And so the red flag is not the big, scary trench coat. The red flag is who is seeking out one-on-one time with one of your children or giving them special attention or want to, you know, give them private art lessons or private music lessons or spend special time with them. That's your red flag. Mm. Oh, man, that is yes, so yeah, good. And and I good. think, you know, um, when we looked at what happened to 
um, a lot of our Olympic athletes, uh, in particular the girls who were oh, molested yeah. by their coaches, the I think that just the gymnasts, yeah, it sent shockwaves um, just through our country. But I think there are many parents who have their kids, and particularly their girls, but it's not just their girls. And I think right. we need to make sure that right. we mention that. Um, but there are parents who began to kind of survey who are these coaches and who are these individuals. So what practical advice do you offer for parents who have their kids in situations where they are entrusting their kids to these adults? I, I encourage a term I call intrusive supervision, which means, <laughs> I like you that. know, when there's another adult who has your kid, you should drop by when they don't expect you to. Mm, and yeah. that's perfectly okay to do. Or you should say, you know, when my kids, until they were in school activities and then even sometimes, which is seventh grade and up, and even then sometimes I would show up at uh, practices. Until that point, I didn't leave them alone at practices. That's very good. I was good. there. I was there. And so as a parent, you're entitled to do that. If they have music lessons or something like that, a lot of, I'll, I'll be honest, some individuals who do private tutoring, private music lessons and things like that, put a nanny cam up for their own protection. Oh, yeah. And and I think that you should be expecting somebody to have that kind of awareness about your child. But what you have to do is stop in at unexpected times. Yeah, I like that. So the so so the term is intrusive supervision. So that's 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 good. We can all yeah. use that. This is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is good. this is intrusive supervision. I love that. You know, I'm thinking about for parents, uh, Dr. Robinson. I'm thinking about um, the biggest barrier that I think many of us experience that we almost feel silly admitting. And so I want to admit this to you, and then I want to discuss ways that we overcome this feeling. Most parents. Okay feel a little bit of anxiety because they don't want to offend people that they think could be a predator. Not that they think there's anything <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that person, but they're like, I don't know that there's not anything wrong with you. And so, you know, we <laughs> wrestle with this. It's sort of the thing yeah. of when you have a newborn baby, you don't want to say to people, don't touch my baby because you don't want them to be upset that they, you think they're dirty. You know what I mean? But, but, yes. but it's a newborn, so you are. You're dirty. Don't touch the babies. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but my or, point or is... Or you turn around your hand sanitizer and hand it to them before they can touch that's your baby. It. That's yeah. exactly... Yeah, I say baptize a minute, but, but that's just me. Um, but no, so my... But, you know, joking aside here, because serious topic, though, how do you as a parent or how do you recommend parents overcome that anxiety that we are concerned that people would think that we think something of them when really it's just that we think so much of our children and we want to protect them. Well, I think the way to handle that is when, when you say to somebody, you know, we don't allow our children to do that. That's, that's one of our family rules or it's a family rule that anytime my kid is at an activity, I may drop in at any point. Just want you to know that. And I think what you do is you couch these as family rules and expectations so that people don't feel singled out. Mm, you know, that's really good. One of, the, one of the chapters in my book talks about sleepovers. And, you know, regretfully, I have spent my career with kids who have been victimized by perpetrators. So I don't like sleepovers yeah. at all. I think Neither it exposes kids a lot. But, you know, it's really easy to say my kids don't do sleepovers instead of my kids not going to do a sleepover at your house. And then they know that you do a sleepover at somebody else's house. Yeah, that's right. And you have so, to be, you have to be consistent, and the times have just changed. And I think this is a part of what has uh, toughened parents, and in, in, in some ways, because you know there was a time where we would just do sleepovers yeah. and we'd go to sleepovers. But then we started learning that you know kids were being molested mm -hmm. by their friends, parents, and and all of these things were going on. And so I think that we've gotten 
um, kind of wiser as, as it pertains to that. So I like this idea, though, um, that what we what we laid down is just a rule. And yeah, this house is, rules, yeah. family yeah. rules. Yeah, that's very good. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. Um, are there are there signs? Are there things that we should watch for in our children that might tell us that our kid um, has has been violated or maybe touched inappropriately? Do they behave differently? Some do, some don't. Mm -hmm. But what you're kind of really looking for is a shift in personality or behavior that you can't explain. It's the most typical thing that happens. Of course, you know, if they end up with a urinary tract infection, you obviously know, or some medical issues. But you know your kids well. Mm -hmm. You know your kids well. You know when the mood has shifted or the behavior has shifted and you can't quite figure out what it is. That's when we probably need to kind of open a conversation where we say, you know, I've noticed this has changed. I'm concerned that you may not be safe. And see, we don't say, have you been sexually abused? We talk about safe and unsafe. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to make sure you feel safe. Is everything going okay at school? Are you safe? And I, I'm wondering if there are ways, even before we start to sense that, that we can foster the kind of relationship with our kids where they don't feel like these discussions make them dirty. You know, I think that there's an aspect to this conversation that if we're not careful as parents, we can inadvertently communicate to our kids that they are dirty and, and even this conversation is dirty, but there's, there's got to be a way for us to do this, right, that maintains um, mental health for our kids as well, right? Yes, and, I, you know, the big thing we want to teach them is you know, God created sex. He kind of knows about it. So let's start there with God <laughs> yeah. created sex, and he created it in a special way. And then all of our conversations come out of that. I, I spent an hour and 15 minutes today with college freshmen, and we talked about things that they wish their parents had taught them. And the biggest thing they said about sexuality is we just wish they could have a conversation with us without it being redirecting our behavior, just giving us information wow. and having a conversation. Mm. Okay, help me understand that. So, because, I mean, there's some parents who are listening right now, and we're all doing the mom check and the dad check. We're like, wait a minute, have I done that? What does that look like? Like, wh what do you mean when you say redirecting behavior versus having a conversation? Because I think there's some parents listening who might go, I think that's what we were doing, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like? As the college students tell me today, you know, if I'm curious about something and come ask my parents about it and it involves sexuality, they immediately assume I'm thinking about it or I have been exposed uh, to it. I see. And really, I was just asking for knowledge. Or if my friend got pregnant, my parents assume somehow that I'm going to get pregnant as well and they give me the whole don't get pregnant conversation. And it's not like I can catch it from my friend. It's not the chicken <laughs> pox. That's right. And that's right. So I, I think being able to have conversations where we talk about information, we talk about God's plan, and we do it in such a way that it's a back-and-forth conversation. That's good. I got to tell you, Dr. Robinson, one of the uh, phrases that tends to work for me and Will the Great when we talk to our kids, because, you know, we, we made the decision that, man, by God's grace, we're going to do this, right? We're going to have these conversations. We should be the ones to tell them before we somebody take else. The lead. Exactly right. <laughs> and I'll tell you, one of the phrases that's my go to phrase whenever I'm like, I go, that's a great question. Just to get that out there, just to let them know <laughs> yeah. that that's, hey, that is a, that's a great question. Dr. Robinson, where can our listeners get a copy of your book? Um, it's on Amazon. Amazon. Easy to find there. 
Yes, ma'am. Okay, Amazon.com. The book is Protecting Your Child from Predators. Dr. Beth Robinson has been our guest. We're going to grab this break, and we'll be right back. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. with the Addisons today. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We are your neighborhood bigots. And um, <laughs> thank you so much for choosing to listen. <laughs> I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's J. Will Music Under the Sun. You know, I don't know what kind of uh, medication they gave you when they did your surgery. But I was thinking in the first segment, man, you talked a whole lot more than you normally do. I did. I mean, I was thinking. I had they gave they, they gave some gas like to. I think that must like be some, it. Almost like laughing gas. Really? Stuff. Yeah, to knock the edge off. Well, then That's maybe. It. I mean, you know. All right, all right. Well, I got to reach out to your doctor, to find out how <laughs> we can get some of that in the studio. Just press a button. I can. I'll, I'll make <laughs> my mask fall out the ceiling. That's it right there, and then <laughs> you secure that and be like, you know what? I want to say something about that. <laughs> Because here's the problem with the youth today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. Um, here's what I want to do. I've got mm-hmm. a copy of uh, Dr. Robinson and Dr. Scott's book. And what I would like to do is I would like to give this to a parent or parents who have kids in a situation where you often have to be away from them. Mm. And so I want to be kind of specific here. You often have to be away from your kid or kids. And, uh, and you know, it's one of those things that's constantly gnawing at you. And you would love to have an additional resource to be able to protect your kids or to know how to protect your kids when you have to be away from them. And so I am going to give the number. I've only got one copy, but I'm going to give it to caller number 10. Caller number 10 will get a copy of the book, Protecting Your Child from Predators. And I'm looking for the parent or parents who have to be away from your kids often. And you, you agonize over it and you wonder, man, am I doing the best? Am I, how can I help them? And you want this book as a resource. We want to bless you with it. 888 888- 589-8840. That's the number. 888-589-8840. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And we're going to give this book to caller number 10. Okay. Caller, caller number, number 10, 10 picks this book up as a resource. We'll get it in the mail to you. And hopefully it'll be a blessing for you uh, as you parent your kids for the glory of God. Mattel is where we started. We'll go back to Mattel. And I want to mm. tie it into another story that I have here. Listen to this. This is from Time Magazine, uh, this Time article. Uh, An eight-year-old who considers himself gender fluid and whose favorite color is black one week, pink the next. Shia sometimes plays with his younger sister's dolls at home, but they're girly princess stuff, he says dismissively. This doll, with its prepubescent body and childish features, looks more like him, right down to the wave of bleached blonde bangs. The hair is just like mine, Shia says, swinging his head in tandem with the doll. Then he turns to the playmate in the toy testing room, a seven-year-old girl named Jace, and asks, should I put on the girl hair? (sighs) Shia then fits a long blonde wig on the doll's head, and suddenly it's no longer an avatar for him. Mm. It's an avatar for his sister. The doll can be a boy, a girl, neither or both. And Mattel, which calls this the world's first gender-neutral doll, 
is hoping that this redefines who gets to play with a toy traditionally deemed taboo for half the world's kids. Carefully manicured features betray no obvious gender. Wow. The lips are not too full. The eyelashes not too long and fluttery. The jaw not too wide. There are no Barbie-like breasts or broad Ken-like shoulders. Each doll in the Creatable World series looks like a slender seven-year-old with short hair, but each comes with a wig of long, lustrous locks and a wardrobe befitting any fashion-conscious kid. Hoodies, sneakers, graphic T-shirts, and soothing greens and yellows, along with tutus and camo pants. Mattel's first promotional spot for the $29.99 doll features a series of kids who go by various pronouns, him, her, them, zem. And the slogan for this doll is a doll line designed to keep labels out and invite everyone in. Mm. With this overt nod to trans and non-binary identities, the company is betting on where it thinks the country is going, even if it means alienating a substantial portion of the population. In other words, (laughs) this is where we're going. We don't care if you like it. This is where we're going. We don't care if you like it. For years, millennial parents have pushed back against pink aisles and blue aisles in toy stores in favor of gender gender neutral sections, often in the name of exposing girls to the building blocks and chemistry kits that foster interest in science and math, but are usually categorized as boy toys. Can I tell you something, though? (laughs) None of that matters if you erase girls. Hmm. What's the point in introducing them to science? <laughs> What's the point in introducing them to technology? What's the point in introducing them to, uh, to uh, 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 oh my goodness, there's, I'm trying to think of all the STEM, it's S-T-E-M, um, engineering mm-hmm. and math. What's the point in introducing them to all of those topics or all of those subjects or areas of exploration if you then go back and erase them? There is no point to that. When you say, hey, but here's the thing, we have no aisle for anyone, Yeah, you, you remove the distinction in all the years of hard work and trying to get girls interested in fields of science and math. So women should be outraged at, all, at, at this whole thing. Because this is more moving further down the line of erasing girls, mm-hmm. erasing women. Now, I want to move on in this time story here because, again, it's a lengthy article. We're going to put a link in the archive so that you can, you can check it out for yourself. But I want to highlight some of the things that are, that are mentioned in this article because I think that they are absolutely ridiculous. For example, this. Mattel sees an even broader potential for creatable world beyond gender creative kids. In testing, the company found that Generation Alpha, so apparently those are the kids who were born um, – since 2010. That's that's after Gen Z. Wow. They so they already <laughs> I didn't know they had a name yet. So they're starting over after right. after so, Z. So there like we go, Generation Alpha, Alpha all right? <laughs> um but they apparently found that Generation <laughs> Alpha uh didn't like labels and mandates no matter their gender identity. They didn't want to be told whom a toy was designed for or how to play with it. They were delighted with a doll that had no name and could transform and adapt according to their whims. 
Kids have been doing this for a long time. You know what we called it back then? Imagination. Yeah. And this had nothing to do with needing to change a doll's identity or change a doll's right. presentation. This was kids use their imagination and they create what they have a picture of in their minds. So that generation would be like at most nine years old or, or, or no, no, like less than that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That would, th- those would be our kids that I would say are 10 and under. Wow. Yeah. So you, what you're talking about is the imagination unless they have been uh, over sexualized by, you know, like there's no way that they're thinking like I want this no, to and be. And there's you know, no you, way you that they saying? feel boxed in by what's presented to them. Will that's the thing that gets to me. Like these kids are not being oppressed that they have a doll that is a doll and that is that has breasts or that they have a Ken doll that has broad shoulders. They're not being oppressed. You see, what right. what what the cultural Marxists are doing is that they're creating psychological victims. Right. So now you create a problem, and then you have to rescue these kids from the problem. This mm. is not a problem for these kids. How many times have, have we seen uh, Sam Witt get upset because we couldn't form these characters right. in exactly the right way he saw and it in his and mind? that's the thing. It's this, a sinister plan of man. That push that's pushing this kind of stuff upon the kids and saying this is what the kids want, but in actual in actuality, this is what they want. This is what they this is want. what their mind is, is coming up with. That's exactly right. Let me say one other thing, and then I'll open the phone lines and maybe able to squeeze in a couple of calls. Eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. Congratulations to Jason from Temple, Texas, who picked up the book. Right. We are going to get that book out to you, Jason. Thank you so much for listening. Um, look, let me just let me just say this. Um, the president of Mattel, a man by the name of Richard Dix- Dixon, Richard Dixon, is president of Mattel, said that this was not a political move. He said this is not a political move. This is, this is just where the culture is, and we're just trying to keep up with the demands. But then time actually presses him and says, well, some other companies have taken a political position on issues. They mentioned Colin Kaepernick with Nike, and they, they mentioned Dick's Sporting Goods uh, and them stopping the, the sale of assault-style weapons, as it's quoted in this article. And so they mentioned these things, and then Dixon kind of rolls it back and says, well, you know, maybe, maybe some people would perceive it this way. But this is what Dixon said. And I want people to understand this. Think about Mattel. And I want you to have this statement in your mind. This is what Richard Dixon, the president of Mattel, says. Staying neutral, basically he says, staying neutral in today's cultural climate is not an option. It's Mm. not an option. This is what he said. And this is the direct quote. Quote, I think being a company today, you have to have a combination of social justice along with Mm. commerce. And that balance can be tricky. Man, you have to have a combination of social justice along with commerce and that balance can be tricky. Man, these companies need to be culture proof, but they can't do that. No, they they, they, they can't be culture proof. Let me tell you, the strong (laughs) among us are culture proof. Yeah. Weak people are not culture proof. It's too hard. Man. It's too hard. Weak people are not culture proof. You give in to the culture. That's weakness. Everybody yeah. who thinks they're woke and progressive. I see that as, man, I'm, I'm sorry. And, you know, I like people. <laughs> but I see that as a weakness. I really yeah. do. People who feel like they need to be relevant all the time and use code words to show that they're woke, which grammatically is incorrect. <laughs> that I see that as a huge weakness. But let me say something. Here's the thing that I think is really troubling. Christian Post ran an article um, today, and I, I was reading it. While we are encouraging kids in this kind of sexual confusion that could in many ways progress toward them thinking that they are born in the wrong bodies and that maybe their parents need to do something to stop it, here is something that is important. This is the headline that grabbed my attention. Drugs used as puberty blockers in youth 
linked to thousands of adult deaths, according to the FDA. The drugs that are being used to halt puberty and gender-confused youth have been linked to thousands of adult deaths, government data show. Mm. The Food and Drug Administration has recorded thousands of deaths associated with Lupron, a puberty-blocking drug that is routinely used to treat prostate cancer in men and endometriosis in women. Adverse complications related to its use include breast disorders, malignant neoplasms, and psychiatric and nervous disorders. But you know what? We've got individuals who are saying, do no harm, but allowing for kids to take these drugs Mm -hmm. without stressing to them the irreversibility of it. In fact, in many cases, telling them the exact opposite. Let's go to the phone lines, 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? Uh, George in Missouri. Hi, George. Hey, uh, how you doing, Will and and, and, uh, Miki, or Niki? uh, Thank you for doing what you're doing. Why can't we just raise our kids the way the Bible says? And, uh, you know, remember the spare the rod, spoil the child, and, uh, you know. And uh, I got one word for Mattel, uh, Gillette. (laughs) That's excellent. That's good. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, George. George just came out like the prophet Jeremiah. He was just like, hey, look, I just got to tell you. (laughs) Just consider, you know what will happen? And and this is why we don't understand (laughs) how activism works in tandem with our personal convictions. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't buy their dolls, then you send the message. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll tell you, Gillette blamed it on more men growing beards. Right. I don't know what Mattel will blame it on. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Let's try to (laughs) squeeze in one more call before we wrap up today, Will the Great. I think we still need to, she's still screening the call. Oh, is she? Okay, I thought we had Kevin on. But anyway, my point is this. When we push back, it's not enough for us to just be outraged. I think the outrage is the beginning point. I think Mm -hmm. that's where we start with our convictions. But then from there, what is supposed to happen is that we take that conviction and we put it in action. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what Mattel does when people stop buying their dolls. Do we have Kevin? Yes, Kevin in Indiana. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, um... You want to talk about a double standard in society. You'll have a guy who weighs 120 pounds wet, and he'll come up and say to a bunch of people, you know what, I, I think I'm fat, and, and uh, you know, and I've, I'm, I've been trying to, I've been throwing up, trying to lose weight, and I come decided on, I'm just going to go, and I'm, I'm going to get the surgery. Well, everybody says, well, they, that's, no, that's a mental health issue, right? I mean, you need help, right? That's right. Nobody, nobody tells you got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But the same guy comes back a week later. It says, you know what, I think I'm a girl and I'm going to cut all my manlyhood off. Mm. And everybody applauds. Come yeah. on. You, yeah. are, you are exactly right about that. Let me tell you something. When we talk to kids and, and the question often comes up, uh, should we use people's personal pronouns? Mm-hmm. We say no. Don't and I'm going to tell it. you, just to Kevin's point, succinctly, let me say it this way, and I hope people always have this image in their minds. When a person demands that you use their personal pronouns, I want you to imagine telling an anorexic person that they're fat. Hmm. A person who struggles with their weight, believes that they are severely overweight, and you walk up to them and say, hey, have you put on a few pounds? How cruel would you be? Right. How awful of a person would you be to do that? That would be abusive of that person. But yet, in today's culture and in today's society and with this progressive narrative, you know what we do? A person has a mental issue and rather than help that person what we do is aid in their destruction that's right 
so this is why when we talk about Webster adding its new oh, the, the, yeah, the, them yeah, or yeah, they, they that's right. to its to its dictionary, <laughs> it's the equivalent of taking an anorexic person, a person who has a mental disorder, and walking up and asking if they've put on a few pounds. You would never, never do that. Do that. That's right. That's right. Saints of God, we can't do anything against the truth. Only for it. Amen. All right. That's it for Bigot Hour. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Lord willing, <laughs> we'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then. God bless.